These may be challenging times, but have hope and listen to the untold health stories about incredible people who have committed their lives to better their communities. Diverse health activists, direct medical providers, community organizers that are helping our communities to get healthier and stronger. Stories of local heroes during the pandemic and even before that proves over and over again that people can come together during times of need and make the world a better place. Stories you would never hear of, except at Healthcare Untold, hosted by Barbara Ann Garcia. Our guest today is Gloria Romero, who is the new executive director of Instituto Familiar de la Raza. Welcome to Healthcare Untold, Gloria. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And congratulations, you know, you are, are new, the new executive at Instituto, or IFR, as many call your organization. And uh, how's that feeling? It's, you know, it's an, it's an honor uh, for me to, um, to serve in this role, to uh, step into the incredible um, legacy um, and leadership of um, the two former um, executive directors, um, Dr. Concha Salcedo, Dr. Estela Garcia. Um, and so it's just, it's an honor for me to be able to continue um, the great work of the Instituto um, in this role. Well, you know, you uh, have over 30 years of community experience, particularly with families and children and youth. Will you share with the listening audience uh, about that journey and, and, and your career? Yes, I'd love to. And um, you know, in my my journey is uh, I've been blessed. Um, I've been blessed to be able to um, serve my community in in some really amazing, you know, incredible um, places, uh, community institutions, and to be able to um, serve and, and along with and learn from incredible incredible people within those those organizations. Um, that uh, um, mentored me and invested in me. And so, um, you know, I began, uh, uh, I began pretty young, um, you know, in high school, just, you know, really interested uh, in, in community work. Um, and uh, as an intern um, in my undergraduate program at San Francisco State University uh, Social Work Program, I uh, had the opportunity to intern at the Real Alternatives Program, which, um, you know, and that, that really, that changed my life. Um, and that really, you know, be working and being part of, of RAP um, gave me uh, such an incredible just uh, grounding um, of what community work is and uh, really, you know, solidified my, my purpose and, and, um, it, it just put me on this, uh, uh, I often think of, you know, that that's, that's where, where my journey, you know, really began is just being working, working there at the Real Alternatives Program as an intern. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so I was able to, to, to learn, um, you know, really grassroots, community-driven, uh, community-led uh, work. And, uh um, and you know, RAP is is uh, was anchor institution in the community and and focused on on you know on uh, social justice, focused on you know working with young men and women, uh, many impacted by by community violence, by 
by social injustices, different institutions, um, the criminal justice system, the foster care system, uh, child welfare system. And so really, you know, was able to, um, to just learn. I learned so much there. Um, as an intern, I <laughs> uh, worked with people like Ray Valberon, Roban San Miguel, Mitchell Salazar, Alfredo Bojorque, Socorro Gamboa, so many incredible um, uh, community workers that, that mentored me. Um, and, uh, you know, as after my internship was over, I um, was hired um, as staff at, at RAP and, and, uh, and was able to um, continue, you know, to learn there. And, and I was part of a collaborative Casa de los Jovenes, um, also focused on, on uh, young men and women. And, and, um, and, and there I was able to just, be, you know, partner with incredible organizations that were part of that collaborative. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, when RAP closed its doors, um, uh, we, uh, many uh, organizations um, continued that legacy of, of, of RAP and, and, and some of the programs and the staff became part of, of these, of, the, of other community organizations to continue that, the legacy of, of RAP. Um, and so at that point, um, I, I came to uh, Mission Girls, which was a, uh, a partner organization of, of, of RAP and, um, and, uh, you know, so at coming to Mission Girls, which is another incredible organization, anchor institution um, in, in the community in, the, in San Francisco, in the Mission District. And so I was able to um, uh, you know, continue to, to grow and learn from you know, incredible people there like Tracy Brown um, and, uh, you know, working uh, specifically with young uh, uh, Latinx um, girl women and girls um and that was you know just incredible you know experience and and being able to uh, uh build sisterhood and uh just the beautiful community that mission girls is there's a our 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 saying of you know once a mission girl always a mission girl and just the beauty of that sisterhood and and developing and mentoring young women and uh who are still we're still connected to today um, and are continued to be part of the Mission Girls family. Um, came to, I came to Mission Neighborhood Centers through Mission Girls. It, it became a program of Mission Neighborhood Centers. And um, I can, you know, I, I continued there as a, as a Mission Girls um, director. And then eventually became the Youth and Family Services Director at Mission Neighborhood Centers. Um, so included all the our, our youth programs, after school programs, Beacon Centers, um, our Family Resource Centers, um, and so there also Mission Neighborhood Centers. You know, uh, another um, anchor organization, uh, community institution. Um, you know, I was able to to learn there and 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 be part of so many you know efforts um, through Mission Neighborhood Centers, and also learn um, and was mentored by you know incredible people there, as Santiago Ruiz. Um, and so, uh, as you you know, and, and I served you know I worked at Mission Neighborhood Centers for sixteen years, um, and uh, you know there was a. Uh, you know, when I left Mission Neighborhood Centers, I um, came to serve um, through at 
serve with the Roadmap to Peace Initiative. And Mission Neighborhood Centers, I had become, you know, one of the uh, founders of Roadmap to Peace, you know, early on organizing, uh, which was, you know, a initiative in the community to um, serve our young men and Latinx young men and women, mostly impacted by community violence. Um, and we, uh, through that effort, um, you know, we, it was a call to action in the community. We had, you know, we're bearing, you know, we were bearing our young men and women, and we knew we needed to do something different. Um, and we needed to uh, create a, a, uh, uh, a system of care that was going to prevent, prevent violence and was going to prevent, um, you know, this, you know, uh, death to, to community violence and instead was going to improve the, the health and, and education and life outcomes of our young men and women. And through that, I came to Instituto when I left Mission Neighbor Centers. I came to Instituto to serve as the Roadmap to Peace Initiative Director. Um, uh, Instituto is um, the lead agency for, for the initiative. Um, and so that's, that's how I came to Instituto. Um, and uh, and I always said I was I always you know early on in my my relationship my history with the Instituto goes back you know for 30 years um, also with the Real Alternatives program working very collaboratively with the Instituto with a a, a very uh, um, uh, significant partner um, to the Real Alternatives program and so I became you know I was involved with with Instituto you know back then over 30 years ago. And so, and I always was like, I'm going to work at Instituto one day. Um, right. And uh, cause I, 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 the, the mission and the, the, the Pilates, the, the, the vision just resonated with me so much. And, and, um, and I was like, you know, I was like, I'm going to work there one day. <laughs> and so I did come to Instituto as the uh, Roadmap to Peace Initiative Director. Um, and, uh, you know, I served in that role for for over three years. At which point, um, uh, uh, Dr. Estela Garcia was had announced her 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 plan to graduate, and uh, um, and began her you know was in her secession planning process. And so, through that, uh, and 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 I had the honor as well that Estela was my direct supervisor here at Instituto and and had been a mentor for me throughout the years as well um, and somebody that I I learned so much from um, as an elder in the community as well and so you know in her secession planning um, you know this is something that uh, you know for I was at first I was like this is you know you know not necessarily like, is this something that I could do? Is this, you know, being the executive director? <laughs> like I was, you know, had always also been very much a, the behind the scenes person, the the second, the the second in kind of uh, uh, the second, you know, person. And, um, and so this was something that, you know, uh, uh, I was encouraged. I was encouraged by my mentors, you know, people, people that had invested in me and to, to tell, you know, to said, this is, you know, this is, you're ready for this. You know, we've, we've trained you. We've, you know, you're, you're ready for this, for this role. This is, this is um, 
something that you know you um, you would you would really be able to hold and continue that the good work of Itzi Group and the legacy and and this is this is this is perfect for you this is and, and it's and then I did I really was like this my my journey and and everything you know everything that was that you know who invested in me like it all led me to to this and so um so i i uh, um was uh um through a very intentional meaningful process you know was was selected as to become the next executive director of, of instituto um and i um you know estela and i uh we laid out a a very you know thoughtful plan on the transition i had and i was blessed that i had you know i had about six months with uh uh with dr garcia before she would graduate and you know we really thought about how how to use that time to really you know to to, to do this transition um internally for our staff for her and i and also for our community for our partners and so we you know we're really uh ambitious but really you know laid out a a, a really uh um thoughtful transition plan and um and through that you know and we committed to it and through that we you know when i assumed the role in january this last year you know i uh uh i was prepared i was prepared for that to step into that role of course you know it was the first time executive director um and so there's so much you know continue to learn and and you know always going to be learning um but but that that transition process um with estella was was such such so valuable and really did you know was able to prepare me um and so we could um also make sure that you know uh instituto such a a precious uh organization and it means so much to so many people um that we knew we needed to to do this you know we needed to do this well we needed to make sure that um we you know we were able to um there, w there wasn't going to be destruction in services and there wasn't going to be you know all these you know um issues with the transition and so i feel i think there was a model um i tell you know, Stella, she probably write a book about this, uh, her transition and secession plan. It's really, a, it was, it was really what has been a model. Um, and so, you know, I've stepped into the role January and uh, during, in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, like, nobody, you know, that, what a great way <laughs> to, you know, really get into the role, right? To yeah. have to have multiple things going on. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to yeah. ask, you know, a little bit. One is that um, the succession, you know, um, one is that uh, Dr. Garcia called it graduating and not retirement mm -hmm. because she's just going off to another uh, role. And I think that was a good uh, kind of new way of, describing people who have had many years in the field and want to go on to do other things. Um, but also, um, you know, allowing you to shadow her, to be part of uh, introductions of uh, your partners in the community, your partners with government. Um, and I, I would agree with you, you know, having a six month uh, transition on uh, many organizations, you know, people decide to leave and they give a month, uh, you know, goodbye and quickly the organization is trying to figure out how to you know keep its uh 
keep it keep it going and then at the same time you know that leadership void and so uh i agree with you i think uh, uh dr garcia did a great job in ensuring that the organization had time for that transition and that's very a very thoughtful way of ensuring an organization's strength especially i guess in the middle of a such an emergency um and so we want to talk about that um because uh your organization uh, did such an incredible job in San Francisco. But why don't you share with the listening audience a little bit about what Instituto does uh, and mm-hmm. the services that you provide the community uh, throughout San Francisco? Yes. So, um, an Instituto has, uh, we are a healing organization. And, uh, you know, our, our mission is to promote and enhance the health and well being of the Chicano Latina Indiana community of San Francisco. And our, uh, uh, our, our, we, we take a, a holistic approach to wellness, you know, including mind, body, spirit, and we really are uh, looking to build healthy communities um, and honoring culture and spirit and, and what they bring to health and healing. Um, our, uh, the organ, you know, our organization provides um, in, you know, array of different services around, you know, uh, uh, mental health, um, uh, family support, health education, um, violence prevention, uh, you know, cultural activities and practices. Um, and so our, uh, and, and we are, um, uh, you know, we, we're very much culturally rooted um, and also, uh, you know, really bring the, the concept of many medicines um, where there are different uh, uh, healing practices um, and uh, combining both the, the Western and the more indigenous traditional uh, cultural healing practices. And uh, we, you know, it's been it's founded in 1978 um, and, uh, and really the history of the Instituto is, you know, as it was uh, created was because there were, uh, Latin, you know, there wasn't, you know, culturally rooted or linguistically, you know, focused services and mental health services for our Latino population, our community. Um, and so there was this, you know, it was called action and, and community um, uh, members and leaders that organized to create Instituto. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's uh, the historic history is, is rooted in in that, uh, you know, community self-determination um, and community-driven um, and uh, implemented um, services and practices. That's, you know, it's an pretty incredible and, you know, yeah, traditional mental health programs, um, you know, sometimes don't root themselves in the cultural needs of our communities. And um, it's a one-to-one kind of dynamic um, and kind of rooted in a, in a uh, issue of disease. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Instituto has broken that mode so well in ensuring, um, you know, that we work on uh, the health determinants um, that include violence as a public health issue. And, you know, you've, that's mm-hmm. been a lot of your focus in your own career. Um, and so, you know, it's a really incredible organization um, and I know the community is very proud of having you as their new executive director. Um, and, you know, you came in 
um, in the middle of a pandemic. And I just want to note that, you know, California, San Francisco, um, particularly uh, the Latino community in San Francisco has done such an incredible job. And what I've found, Gloria, is uh, in some of our, uh, some of the many podcasts that I've done um, with organizations uh, across the country, that uh, when organizations come together and coalesce around um, a particular issue, and particularly during this pandemic, um, that they've been able to hold government accountable, provide government support, uh, provide particularly health departments and government the needed access to communities that maybe they didn't have. Um, and, you know, it kind of shows what that does in terms of a response to a pandemic. Um, and we know that this pandemic impacted uh, mental health status of individuals that's, you know, that's going to be with us for decades, you know, the mm -hmm. many lives that were lost. Um, but um, why don't you share with us uh, the incredible work that you have done during this pandemic? Um, uh, I've been so impressed with the uh, integrated approach that you all have taken. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, the this COVID is taking a, uh, has impacted, you know, every aspect of our lives, right? And, and particularly uh, an immense toll on vulnerable populations who were already, you know, plagued by negative socioeconomic disparities. And we knew from the, from the onset that our, you know, Latino population was going to be, you know, particularly um, impacted. And uh, partly also because, you know, more, more vulnerable to the virus is, you know, we're overrepresented in high-risk populations, you know, you know, those underlying health conditions, live or no health insurance, high rates of chronic disease, homelessness, you know, crowded living, you know, the service industry workers, you know, all, all of the things that, that uh, were high risk for, for, for COVID, you know, we were represented in, in those populations. And, and also, um, you know, we, and also just, you know, impacted by, you know, the uh, economic disparities to be able to, um, to, uh, oh, you know, to, to deal with this, the, the virus that also just put us in more vulnerable uh, position. And so, you know, since this first shelter in place, you know, IFR mobilized along with other service providers through, which really was a call to action in, 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 in San Francisco and the Mission District around um, community providers and residents and, and just, you know, uh, community members um, that we knew we, that we were going, that our population, our community was going to be disproportionately impacted. And what, how, how are we going to come together? <laughs> you know, and, and at that point too, you know, the, the city, you know, there was, uh, you know, some level of, of uh, being paralyzed on, you know, responding, you know, the, the systems, right? And so the community we mobilized, um, and Instituto was a key, key part of, of that mobilization um, with other organizations and other providers and, and also connecting with, you know, based on our, you know, our history and our relationships and decades of, of community work and collaborative community work and organizing, we're able to quickly, you know, mobilize into how do we re responding to the community. Um, and, uh, and also included, you know, our relationships we had with institutions and being able to, to um, build, you know, tap into those um, relationships to also, you know, uh, 
create uh, uh, and have them also be part of the uh, response. And so, um, you know, we, Instituto, uh, we're on the collective, you know, on the community level, you know, we're part, part of these efforts through the San Francisco Latino Parity Equity Coalition, the Latino Task Force in, in mobilizing and everybody kind of, you know, what is it that, you know, the, what, what, what can you bring to this table? What can you offer? How do we, you know, how do we respond when, you know, our, our uh, community was, you know, they were, they were the majority of the COVID cases and hospitalizations and they were the ones losing their jobs. They, you know, you know, lo- you know, losing their housing. And so, you know, we, we, we were part of those efforts and it included, you know, things like the Latino task force, the, you know, uh, a hub where people could come in person safely to receive services, you know, many things then doors were closed, things were like online only. And that was just, you know, the, the digital divide um, and just that, uh, you know, not having, you know, access or being able to navigate things online, like, you know, really needed that in-person services that we were able to do that through through the hub and through also within our own organizations, how did we, continue, we quickly move to, to, um, ver- to um, telehealth services, ver- you know, move towards the uh, virtual services. Um, and, you know, so we, we quickly pivoted, we, you know, figured this out, we're creative having to, you know, nobody had to do this before. And so, um, but we quickly did that pivoted. So we would, um, c- to be able to continue, um, services, you know, e- that were, that had, were, were already, you know, so critical to the community and had just become even more essential. And so, um, you know, we did that as, as Instituto, we never, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, we didn't never really close our doors. It was always, we always, you know, we were, we provided services virtually. We provided services in person as much as we could given, you know, as we followed the guidelines of the city, um, at whatever tier level we were at. And so, um, uh, so we did that, you know, is individual organization, also our experience and our history with the HIV, um, the AIDS epidemic, you know, we, you know, our experience there, um, also, you know, we were able to, to, to offer that, that, uh, the services around, uh, outreach and education. And, uh, and in fact, you know, we were, you know, as a, uh, or the Department of Public Health, you know, we were redeployed um, and some, you know, to do contract tracing and case investigation and doing some, you know, this outreach efforts. Um, and so, uh, and we were able to do that very, you know, with with uh, with the Latino community um, that needed to be outreached to and needed to to be connected. Um, and so, you know, so we did that as a individual, as an organization. We also. You know, as as uh, there were many, you know, COVID-related mental health consequences, you know, from, you know, loneliness, insomnia, depression, you know, grief, you know, viol- a lot of, you know, increase in domestic violence, child abuse, suicidal, you know, behavior, um, substance use. And, and so from the, you know, which they all stem from, from COVID, um, from COVID, you know, such as isolation measures, financial stress, loss of employment, loss of housing, you know, stress of distance learning, you know, and people getting sick and, uh, and, and, and 
getting sick with COVID um, or and losing loved ones um, from COVID and and just the you know the inability to be able to have their basic needs met you know housing and food um, and so Instituto as a mental health as a healing organization you know also um, was even you know so critical to be able to be part of that response in our community around the mental health um, needs. Um, and consequences of COVID. Um, and, you know, and many who had been, you know, struggling with mental health challenges or, you know, general health conditions, but were managing or maintaining a functional level prior to COVID. And, you know, COVID just, you know, pushed them over that limit. And so we, um, you know, Instituto is, was just, was and continues to be critical in, in being able to respond um, to those the needs of our community um, and uh, and also into the recovery, as you said, this is something that you know it's going to be recovery is going to be a long process, and especially for communities of color that were disproportionately impacted by COVID. Um, so you know, I'm very you know I'm very proud of of of, of the Instituto and and really looking at what, you know, what we could offer and the value that we could bring to this collective response effort. And, um, you know, and also, you know, we, and we organized, we also, you know, there, we organized even you know, to the city level around how we needed, you know, how we needed, you know, around community services being key to the response effort of the city and that we were essential, you know, providing essential services. Um, and we were one of the, the the main one of the key response um, efforts um, on the ground, um, you know, really connecting to a community that were most uh, mostly impacted and disconnected, um, and so you know we did we also you know we advocated you know for resources too because you know we were the organizations we were doing this on top of our rig our work right, right these right. were all things additional we you know we were implementing our services you know virtual hybrid and then these were additional needs and 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 services that we pivoted to to provide and so we also you know we had to advocate you know for one for the city to to resource or you know a strategy response effort to the Latino population, recognizing that that we were disproportionately being impacted, and also um, for that you know I think you know just being able to have the flexibility to pivot and to respond and to have resources to do that um, and have the flexibility to to pivot you know uh, services you know, as, as, as this uh, virus, as COVID was, was evolving. Yeah. And, you know, San Francisco has been so um, supportive of organizations, um, you know, in terms of its funding level. And you see that in, you see that, it's, which is very different than many communities. And a lot of that is its philosophy and, and, and wealth in many ways. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and then during this pandemic, you know, it's um, clear that um, working with community organizations who have the pulse on the communities, uh, who are serving the most vulnerable communities every day, are the best ones to work with to ensure that they're able to get resources out. Um, you know, you were doing COVID testing, then you got into mm -hmm. the vaccine world, which, you know, we're very grateful for. 
Um, and, you know, and, you know, we're still there. Um, and, you know, we're very fortunate, like I said before, that, you know, San Francisco, California uh, has a pretty high rate of vaccinations and, and, and yet there's still more work to do. Um, but tell us about, you know, um, you know, you talked about the fact that you were doing the work at the same time, you know, trying to run an organization and, and now, you know, you've begun your recovery uh, process. And uh, as I stated, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, for a long period of time. Um, what are your hopes in recovery for your community and for Instituto? My hopes for recovery is, um, you know, we, there were racial, you know, and in, in the inequities um, and uh, uh, and our so our you know our communities were um, facing you know these social economic inequities and, and racism and um, and before COVID and we you know COVID just you know magnified these 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 inequities in our in our um, our society and so what I one of my biggest hopes is that part of the recovery effort too, is that we're, 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 you know, the, the build back better uh, thinking, but you know, that we, after COVID and as our recovery and that we, that the, the equity outcomes are improved, that our, the quality of life for our, our communities are improved, that we are, we're, we're not just going back to, 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 to pre COVID going back to business as usual, like that this is, this is, an opportunity for us to to come out of this with you know with very you know with with changes with structural changes with system changes with you know really um, being able to uh, and and many things that we were able to do during the pandemic around being you know reimagining and re envisioning um, uh, uh, you know services and and. Uh, that we're able to continue there. We stay in that place of of, of reimagining and and we rebuild um, um, we rebuild better systems and 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 that are community informed and and um, and so you know I, I so and and our um, and as instituto um, you know we also you know we're that's part of our also, you know, our one of our pilares, si se puede, around really looking at the root causes of of the conditions that we, you know, our communities are experiencing, and being able to really address those those structural issues, those uh, systemic issues, and um, and so, you know, we also, you know, part of the recovery is, you know, we, you know, families are, you know, yeah, they're they're, you know lost employment and you know you know find being able to find jobs and and many of them lost their housing and being able to you know dealing with you know uh evictions and rental back rent and people are in debt too not just the rent you know people you know we've had to um you know you know had to be able to survive you know um and so there are a lot there's it's a it's it's complex in terms of um the recovery. Um, and I just, you know, I just want to emphasize that part of that recovery is to, is to, um, move towards something that's, um, 
that's more that's more positive and that it's there's we're, we're doing we're able to make changes in terms of the systems and institutions um, through this recovery effort. Well, you know, um, I think that's great, Gloria. And, you know, one of the things that uh, a previous podcaster and I discussed, uh, Mercedes Marquez, who worked for the Housing and Urban Development under the Obama administration, we talked about the fact that, you know, here are these organizations providing the backbone to government during this pandemic and the importance of providing them a backbone. Um, and not just at the local level, but at the state and the federal level. The recognition of our nonprofit organizations that, you know, um, that you literally, and we're going to do a little fundraising uh, talk in a minute, but, um, you know, literally, um, you don't get to cover your cost uh, mm -hmm. from the dollars that uh, government entities and reimbursements from Medi-Cal uh, those don't really cover your cost. Um, and so you're constantly as an executive, and you learn this pretty quickly in your role, of trying to make ends meet, like your families. And so I think it's important as we think about Build Back Better, uh, Build Back Better Stronger, um, our organizations, um, organizations like yours that really needs to have their infrastructure, their financial, their administrative, their technology provided for so that, you know, at the next emergency, um, you're there and you have the ability to be there uh, on an ongoing basis. Uh, so I just want to, you know, get your response to that because I just think that's so important. Um, and new, you now as an executive having to be I'm sure you have sleepless nights wondering how you're going to make ends meet. Uh, share with us mm -hmm. a little bit of that, of your response to that comment. Mm -hmm. No, and as as a community service providers, you know we we have we've we've always been, a, you know, key to the providing the the ser social services to 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 our community, to the city, right? And and. Uh, you know, we are, you know, departments, you know, contract to us to provide services, you know, community-based services, um, but we're not always, you know, recognized as, you know, for for the value that we bring. And there isn't the equity in, in pay salaries um, with our, you know, city counterparts. And so there isn't the equity in the pay. There isn't also the resources, as you said, and infrastructure support to community institutions, you know, providing these, you know, uh, services that really just only the community providers could do. Um, and so, you know, uh, so, and through COVID, I think, you know, it was, uh, um, you know, just recognize of, you know, the value that community service providers, you know, bring and how we're so important to, you know, and, and our relationships with our community and, and, uh, and that, you know, we're, you know, many then, you know, then we're, you know, we're recognized as essential <laughs> providers. Um, and so, uh, so I think, you know, in San Francisco and I'm sure in many other places, like we were, you know, community was the response and led the response and, um, and saved lives. And so we, you know, I, I, I think that that's, you know, it's important to continue to recognize that and to, you know, to be true partners to, for there to be equity in, in, in pay and, 
and infrastructure support. So the community institutions are invested in and they continue to be able to um, grow and meet the needs of community and, and continue as anchor, you know, community institutions. Right. And to mentor those next leaders um, that are coming behind you um, to take over the next uh, 20 years of Instituto. Um, and so uh, it is really important. And, um, you know, I know you're um, like all good executive directors. Uh, you have to do your fundraising to ensure that uh, uh, you can uh, continue to do your service. And, you know, we don't not recognize the importance of government funding for you and how uh, incredible that is, particularly in San Francisco. But, you know, the federal and state government also have to recognize that, um, you know, you did save lives um, and organizations like yours need that extra infrastructure support. But until that happens, um, you know, you are going to uh, continue to do your fundraising. And I just wanted the listening audience to understand that, you know, every dollar you give to organizations like Institute provides uh, so, so much to communities in need. And uh, I wondered uh, if you could give us uh, your uh, fundraising uh, opportunities and give us your website so that the listening audience can, uh, can uh, out of their, you know, out of their pockets, uh, this is the time to give uh, to organizations like Instituto. Yes, you could. Um, you know, our, our website, uh, www.ifrsf.org. Um, you know, please, I encourage you to visit the website. More information about um, our organization, our history, our our services, and there's also there's a donate button <laughs> there page there um, that you can um, easily you know be able to um, make a contribution um, to support the good work. And good work it is. Um, Gloria Romero, Executive Director of Instituto Familiar de la Raza, our new Executive Director. Um, we just want to congratulate you and give you all our support, Gloria, for the coming years of your incredible work and recovery uh, for the community of San Francisco. Uh, any last thoughts, uh, Gloria, for the listening audience? Uh, you know, I just uh, appreciate... Uh appreciate the time to be able to share uh, about our work and a little bit about myself. And, and, you know, I just want to say, you know, to your, one of your last comments about, about uh, mentoring and about building the, the next leader leaders. Um, and, you know, that, that was my story. I was invested in, I was mentored and I was supported. And, uh, and that is a big, you know, that's important for me to be able to, and has been part of, of, what I do too, as well as just mentoring and, and developing. And, and so I just wanted to, to share that, that, you know, that was part of my story. I turn, you know, so grateful for it. And it's so important for us to, to continue to support and build um, our community leaders. Yes. Thank you, Gloria. Uh, and we just really, on behalf of Healthcare and Toad, we really want to give you a big shout out today and thank you for uh, being a fantastic leader in San Francisco and all your partners uh, who are saving lives, providing uh, respite to families uh, and their children and making the world a better place. Um, gracias, Gloria, for all your work. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you. Healthcare Untold. Healthcare Untold. Untold.